Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Thursday, January 28th. Today on the show, day one of the Josh Heupel era begins in Knoxville, and we are joined by ESPN's Bill Connolly to break down all of the offensive metrics and analytics surrounding Josh Heupel's offenses. The 440 is built every single morning for you by the Kingston Group. If you are trying to find your next head football coach or trying to stop Chicago's power play, alignment is critical. It's also pretty damn important when building a home or deciding to undergo a major remodel. This simple concept of alignment is what has made the Kingston Group successful for over a decade in Nashville. The Kingston Group is about taking time to work through every step of the process on the front end so that your vision for your home is aligned with the work that is going to be delivered. They are one of the few firms in the city that does the design work in-house for this exact reason, so that there are no disconnects, no miscommunications, no misunderstandings, no missed deadlines. The Kingston Group, an award-winning, locally-owned, custom home and remodeling firm. Go look at their work, buildkg.com. That's buildkg.com. The Josh Heupel era has officially begun at the University of Tennessee, and damn, are there a lot of questions. Most of which do not have answers currently, and only time will be able to give us those answers. The rest, probably only Danny White knows. If you want my in-the-heat-of-the-moment instant reaction to the hire, check out yesterday's special edition of the 440 that focused exclusively on sort of the negatives and positives of Josh Heupel. I just wanted to give all that information to you so you could sort of make your own decision on the surface about the hire. Today, we're going to lay out all of the questions that are facing the new Vols head coach, and we will visit with Bill Connolly of ESPN to get a thorough analytical breakdown of Heupel's career from a metric standpoint. First, to the questions that only Danny White can answer. We had an exhaustive, exhaustive nationwide search. I know that sounds crazy because I'm hiring the guy that I've worked with for the last three years. But uh, if anything, I was trying not to hire the, the head coach from UCF. But after going through extensive candidates, we, we left no stone unturned. I, I'd like to thank the candidates. Uh, you'd be amazed if I could ever tell you, and I won't, how many candidates we spoke with. Uh, and there were no leaks until last night. Only two leaks I've been a part of in my career as an AD, and both of them happened in the last week. So we need, we need to work on that here. Uh, uh, we got to figure that one out. Uh, that'll be one of my top priorities as we, as we go through here. But I really wanted the student-athletes to find out first from me, and, and it's a shame that it leaked, but we'll, we'll continue to work on that, tighten, tighten some things up. But we left no stone unturned. We talked to head coaches. We talked to coordinators. We talked to long-seasoned coaches, uh, talked to young up-and-coming coaches. Character and integrity were extremely important from the jump. Told you guys that last week uh, and will continue to be. I have zero questions about that with this guy. We want to build a program that we can all be proud of. And after vetting every single option we had, it, I, I obviously landed with a familiar face uh, in Josh Heupel. He was our number one option. This job was offered to one person. Bad speech writing and blatant contradictions aside, because, again, a press conference is just PR, who else was involved in the search? Clearly, the dude hates leaks, so I'd like to know who else was involved. Who else did Tennessee contact? How much were they willing to spend? I have it on pretty good authority that Josh Heupel wasn't their clear number one choice, and that they were willing to spend a lot more than $4 million a year for some candidates. So where was he, Josh Heupel, on the list? White had to know that he could always go back and get his old coach to come to Knoxville. So how many no's did it take before he got to that point? 
depending on how you view Heupel, he is among the best G5 coaching candidates in college football. So it's not a huge reach by any stretch. But did they offer Billy Napier $6 million a year, Luke Fickle 7 and they were turned down? I want to know these things, and I want to know if they settled on Heupel at $4 million a year. I cannot wait to study the official autopsy of this coaching search, and unfortunately that may take months, if not years, for us to learn. I know I keep coming back to this, but you could have hired Josh Heupel at any point. Today, December, middle of the season, ever, he would have taken the job. So why rush through this process to land on someone you know you could have gotten later in the season? And that stands for all the other group of five candidates as well. Jamie Chadwell, Will Healy, Lance Leipold, those are guys you could have gotten in December. And again, it would have allowed you to organize your program and maybe clean up some of the mess. As it pertains to the questions for Hypel specifically, well, there are many, and right now there are no answers. Can he recruit in the deep, treacherous waters of the SEC against the likes of Saban, Fisher, and Smart? Will he be able to attract and build a defensive coaching staff capable of competing with the Bamas, Floridas, and Georgias of the world every single year? We know he can develop a quarterback, but can he find one? Can he sign one to campus? Can he recruit one? Can Hypel build, create, and sustain a culture that is highly successful in the most competitive conference in America? Sure, it might have worked in Orlando, but does it work in the SEC East? Is his up-tempo offense enough to beat quote-unquote better teams? Which, of course, on paper, will be most of the schedule for the foreseeable future. This is where we bring in ESPN analytics expert Bill Connolly to dive deep into the metrics of Josh Heupel's offenses, both at UCF, but also going back to his time as Missouri's offensive coordinator. He's a good quarterback coach. Uh, he has a very, very quarterback friendly system, uh, you know, as far as college to pro. I mean, we'll see about all that, but I mean, he, he got Drew Locke up to speed very, very quickly and their numbers responded immediately. They were 123rd in offensive SP plus the year before he arrived. That, that 2015 Missouri offense was about as bad as I have ever seen. Uh, they immediately improved to 54th in Heupel's first year there, then 24th in his second, and then uh, 8th in 2018. Once they grabbed grasped the concepts, everything just ignited. And so, um, you know, he, he, you know, goes to UCF and, and kind of picks up where he left off. Obviously he had a good quarterback situation there too, but I do think this is, you know, the things to remember about this are just that it's very quarterback friendly. He makes the choices pretty easy. He's about the only coach in the country who can still manage to actually utilize tempo uh, pretty effectively. Most teams, it's just kind of a situational thing and with, with those UCF teams and the Missouri offenses, it was exactly, it was pedaled to the metal at all times and, you know, for better and for worse, I guess, but that is the identity and, and Tennessee will absolutely have an actual identity now. I can't tell. Do you think that simplified offenses that are sort of one read and, and go one read and throw Drew Locke was very successful. UCF's had tons of offensive production. Do you view that simplification as a net positive or a net negative at a place like Tennessee which is very different than Sir Missouri or UCF. Well, it's a net positive just in that there was there will be points in yards, you know, like it, it's not an those are, those are good things, right? <laughs> right. I mean, it's not going to guarantee you beat Alabama. And I do think it's worth saying that defenses have adjusted. It's not the same as like they figured it out or anything like that, but they're just better at defending it. They can make the quick calls now. They're not caught off guard as much. UCF, UCF still had a very good offense and a very good team the last couple of years, but they, you know, you could tell defenses had adjusted just enough that, you know, there were a couple fewer glitches for the defense a couple fewer big plays and that ended up 
you know, making a pretty big difference in the record. So uh, it's a, it's, it's now merely a good offense that can be very good against teams where you've got clear talent advantages. Uh, you know, the issue, potentially the biggest issue is you are moving very fast, which means if you ever do run inefficiently, you're going three and out in about 18 seconds. And uh, you can, it's pretty easy to see the impact that could have on your defense, but you're still scoring a lot of points and that's a pretty defense friendly thing too. So it's not all bad uh, as far as the defense goes. What do you make of the downward trajectory of the UCF program? I mean, some of that might be COVID. Some of that might just be recruiting. Like, what what do you make of literally perfect under Scott Frost? <laughs> and and then first place, second place, third place. Yeah, they had some. You could say they were kind of lucky in close games when they were going through their big winning streak. And that luck, you know, it always regresses to the mean. You always, you know, lose the close games that you were winning at one point or another. And that seemed to be a problem these last couple of years. They just, they had a very poor record in those one score finishes. And so you can say that's, you know, opponents caught up a little bit. And, and like I was saying about the glitches and all that, but at the same time, it would, there was some pretty bad fortune in there that would have probably righted itself had he stayed there another X number of years. So I'm not, you know, they, they weren't a top 10, 15 program with Hypel for sure, but they were still very good and they were still very hard to, compete with you had to I mean even as teams got better at it they were still giving up yards and points and so um, it, it is an identity like Mike Leach's offense's identity like lots of other offenses have an identity it's a strong identity and it's a hard one to, to grasp does that work in Knoxville when you're trying to beat Georgia and Florida every year <laughs> Well, again, like the good defenses have caught up. So I, you know, if they field a good team, they will therefore have better odds of beating Alabama and Florida and Georgia and all that. But it's not a, it's not a secret weapon anymore necessarily, or at least it won't be after the first go round, which I guess the first go round, we don't know what he's going to have a quarterback. So, you know, we'll see what kind of advantages they get there, but no, I mean, it's just, he feels a good offense and defense we'll see. And, you know, he, if he can get teams engaged in those shootouts, Maybe that'll be uh, give them a better chance of pulling upsets at some point. But yeah, no, it's not a secret weapon or anything like that. Special thanks to Bill Conley for giving us a few minutes of his time. One of the smartest football nerds I have ever had a chance to work with. Here's the overarching main takeaway on day one of the new era of Tennessee football. Josh Heupel and Danny White are a major upgrade over the previous regime. And that is a great sign and a great first step for Tennessee football. The process was handled correctly, whether you think Heupel's the right guy or not, and maybe, just maybe, we found some stability in Knoxville. Will Josh Heupel restore glory to Big Orange Nation by competing for and winning championships? If I was a gambling man, which maybe I am sort of now, I probably would not put any money down on that happening. The 440 is built every single morning by the Kingston Group, a Nashville-based custom home and remodeling firm. The Kingston Group knows that there can be a lot of apprehension when it comes to picking out someone to help, I don't know, build a house or work on a major remodel for your home. But with the Kingston Group, there will be a thorough process to make sure that they're the right fit for you and that you're the right fit for them. It's all about alignment with the Kingston Group. Budget alignment, scheduling alignment, communication alignment, and it's what allows them to deliver a high-quality product on budget and exactly when they say they're going to do it. So check them out. BuildKG.com is the website. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. BuildKG.com. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.